is from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, send your Holy Spirit into our hearts to receive your word in penitence and faith that you might prepare by it of us, a people ready for yourself. This we ask for Jesus' sake. Amen. What is it that provoked the people of Israel in Joel's time to fast and to humble themselves before God? It was the knowledge that they'd come of the coming of the day of the Lord, a day of thick darkness, of dark clouds, a day of fearful wrath against all sin. In the beginning of that prophecy, we have a description of the judgment of God upon God's people in swarms of locusts. Nobody still knows whether it's a reference to actual locusts or whether it's a reference to like a metaphor for an enemy nation. But either way, it doesn't, in a sense, matter whether it's locusts that take away your food or enemy nations that take away your liberty. Either way, your life is in peril. And this came upon them because of their sin. It is a common refrain when tragedies take place, when people, when terrible things happen to people in their lives to say, why do bad things happen to good people? And we know that although there are by human standards, people who are bad people and people who are good people. Before God, there are no good people. The only good person to whom bad things happen, though, who is good, was our Lord Jesus Christ. All other bad things happen to bad people. And as we confess repeatedly in our liturgy, in the uh, reading and meditation of the scriptures, in our hymns, in the catechism, we deserve from God nothing but punishment. And the day of God's wrath is still coming. The day when all the dead shall be raised and the book shall be opened and lives shall be laid bare before God and judged according to his strict and just judgment. Why do bad people get away with things? Why do injustices endure? They won't, not forever. And when the time of God's patience is up, there will be judgment, and there will be judgment against all ungodliness and wickedness of men. And the realization of this led the prophet Joel to call a fast, to call the people not to put on a show of a fast, not to fast in a way that impresses people, just as Jesus warned us against. Rend your hearts and not your garments. Do not make an ostentations show of what might look like penitence, but be penitent. Humble yourselves before God. And when they did, God relented. God turned towards them in favor and promised them an abundance of his gracious favor and gifts. And this is how God still works. 
This is how we are called to live before God, rending not our garments or whatever the 21st century equivalent is, not making a big show of our fasting, of our almsgiving, of our prayer. We do not do these things in order to impress people. And yet we are, this desire to please people and to be respected and liked by other people is so ingrained in us that it's very difficult for us even to notice that we are doing it. Rend not your garments, but your hearts. Our almsgiving is supposed, it benefits other people, not us and our reputation. Our fasting is for our benefit, that we might learn, not only in principle, but also in practice, that man does not live by bread alone. That we might train ourselves to fall a little bit less in love with the present world and this present life. And that we might train ourselves also uh, for suffering for the time when it's upon us without our choice. And our prayers are there for the glory of God and for the building up of our own faith. Either way, we seek not the approval of men. We seek not earthly treasure, but heavenly treasure. And this is where even the call to repentance can become a cause of trouble and worry for us. Is my repentance true repentance? Is my repentance complete repentance? Have I really repented if I fall back into the same grooves and same uh, ruts of sin, of unbelief, of laziness in prayer, of self-regard and the seeking after the regard of men? of indifference to God's word, coldness of love. <laughs> but thanks be to God, that's the wrong question. Repentance is not an achievement which once we have reached a certain level, God will respond to with his grace and favor. But even repentance is a gift of God. When God needed the people to repent, he sent them a prophet to call them to repentance. He did not wait for them to achieve sufficient spiritual uh, accomplishments. He called them to repentance and, and his word did it. Just as in the days of Jonah, the people of Nineveh repented, not because they suddenly came to their senses, but because God sent them his word to call them to repentance. And they fasted in sackcloth and ashes, and God spared them. And we know, in a way that they necessarily did not at the time, that God had been planning this all along. The very work from his beginning to his end. The plan to send his word. The plan to convert the people by his word. And his plan to bring grace. Was all already ready in God's mind before he acted on it. And how much more now, when the day of the Lord and the wrath and judgment of God against all wickedness and ungodliness has already fallen upon our Lord Jesus Christ on the day of thick darkness that was Good Friday, where he already took away the guilt and iniquity of our sins. 
and which have been removed from us personally in our union with his death and resurrection in holy baptism. So that when he calls us to repentance and he calls us to self-discipline, self-denial, when he calls us to almsgiving, prayer and fasting, he's not calling us to draw near to his grace, but he's pouring through these calls his grace into us who are already his. Jesus has already taken away wrath. Jesus has already taken away judgment and condemnation. In him there is no iniquity. And so when we are called to supplement our faith with spiritual virtues, we're not called to uh, accomplishments. We are not called to draw near, to enter into grace, but rather we are being called to a reminder to be uh, being reminded rather of who we are in Christ so that we might pursue those things that build us up in Christ rather than fall away through carelessness. That we might not forget that we have been cleansed, not in order to be cleansed, but because we are cleansed. You bear on your heads the mark of death. Remember that you are dust and to dust you shall return. But Christ has already died your death once for you. And in his death, death has died. You are dust, you shall return to dust. But from that dust, God will raise you on the last day. And when you stand before him at the last judgment and the books are opened, your works will follow you, but your sins will be long gone. May God strengthen us all. In his grace, this day, this Lenten tide, and until we are brought to the glorious kingdom that Christ has won and prepared for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen.